Welcome to another episode of the Hello Blink Show. This time, we chat with Paris Athena, founder of Black Tech Pipeline and creator of the Black Tech Twitter movement. Black Tech Pipeline is a platform that connects employers to black technologists and allies. Let's get started. Welcome to the practical podcast for technical people who want to start their own company. From founding to building your business, we're here to help. I'm Sean Hemel. And I'm Harris Kenny. This is the Hello Blink Show. Welcome, Paris. Like you're telling us about Black Tech Pipeline. Can you talk to us about that launch? What's going on? Yeah. So uh, right now, so for the past year and a half, I've been conducting business super informally through my Twitter DMs, um, working with employers to recruit candidates out of Black Tech Pipeline. So now I'm launching this platform, uh, which will have a job board, a resources page, an events page. Um, and I'll still do my recruitment piece that I've been doing. But um, with the job board right now, this is the reason why I haven't launched, actually. So for the job board, um, any company who signs up to be on it, they get a customized landing page. Um, and I'll, I work on it with them before, before the launch, pretty much. Um, so on the landing page, they can put their company logo, links to their social uh, websites and platforms, um, blurb about their company, their open roles, photos, images of um, their team, the, the products that they're building. And then they give really in-depth descriptions um, about their diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives um, and how their company is going to be part of the change that the industry needs to see. Oh, wow. So you're really acting as a matchmaker then for companies looking to hire um, specifically like like diversity candidates um, and non-white candidates in tech, right? Yeah. So, well, what we're trying to do is like give potential applicants this transparent view of the company and what they'd be getting into. So people want to know that they're not going to be going to a harmful, toxic space. They want to know that they're going somewhere um, that's inclusive. It's diverse. You know, they, they want to give opportunity to everyone. We don't want to deal with things like nepotism and, and bias and things like that. So um, yeah, the, the, the whole point of the company landing pages is just to be transparent. That's what we all want. That's really cool. So what inspired you to start Black Tech Pipeline? Yeah, so what inspired me was the employers who were reaching out to me through Twitter. They wanted me to do the recruitment piece. Um, and so they they actually like contacted me at a time that I had just started my second job as a software engineer. It's like the first week. Um, and it got to a point where it became too overwhelming. And so I left my job. Um, and so I kept doing the recruitment piece. Then I got a remote job. But then I figured like we should also have a job board because I honestly can't be a sole recruiter like taking all of this on. It's, it's like a lot. So that's why I decided like what if we create a job board that gives people that transparent view of a company and it's only centered around diversity, equity and inclusion instead of the very general like, yeah, we're the best company in the world. You need five years experience for this role, three years for that role. You know, we, we yeah. want to give it a more personable human feel. Right. Unlike Glassdoor, where it kind of ranks everything, you're focused right. on one particular issue. That makes exactly. sense. Yeah, yeah. And I would be curious about like Glassdoor specifically, sort of, it's been interesting. I've sort of seen companies that get like roasted there because the culture is really, really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And then there's companies where it's like, oh, apparently this is like heaven on earth. And, but then you learn later stories come out that it isn't really like that. So I'm curious, what are, how are you thinking about like 
avoiding the mistakes that these other platforms seem to make. It seems like you're very um, like candidate centric, even mm-hmm. though you're working with companies, it seems like the applicants are the, the customer, which seems like a difference than most of these other companies, which the other software companies seem to be focused on the, the businesses are their customers. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I actually tell comp- when they use my recruitment service, I, I'm very transparent. Like I'm, I'm very blunt on these phone calls. And so I let them know, I am here like for that candidate and I'm focused on each specific candidate that you're um, hiring out of Black Tech Pipeline. So um, what I didn't tell you is that anytime someone gets recruited out of Black Tech Pipeline into a company that I'm working with, I actually stay on the job with them for the first 90 days. And what that actually looks like is I do biweekly check-ins with that candidate to see how they've been, what their experience has been like. I just want to make sure that they're happy and again, not in a harmful environment. And then I, with consent, I take that feedback from the candidate and I relay it to the employer, which is usually their manager or someone in leadership. And I let them know like, you know, hey, this is what you're doing well. This is where you need to improve. But then we do other things like going through their um, hiring and onboarding processes, um, their reporting processes for when, you know, maybe something um, harmful happens in the workplace. How do they handle that? So we kind of go through, break things down, improve them. And the whole point is so that we can, improve retention and the overall culture and, and make sure that they are appealing and safe for uh, more diverse candidates who will be the minority in the workplace. Hmm. And you're doing this, you're starting this coming from a technical place. So you're a front end developer yep. and you mentioned that you had a, like, like a lot already on your plate that you're feeling overwhelmed. And so that was part of why I was like, Hey, let's start black tech pipeline. So it's not just all Paris's DMS on Twitter, mm-hmm. but like, it's a thing. Are you doing this, continuing to do this as a pure solo founder? Do you have co-founders, advisors, contractors? How are you handling the like demand for, for what you're putting out there? Honestly, I don't know. However, so I have like a, I have like, um, a very tiny tech team. So I have like, um, a designer. My fiance is actually, I guess you could call him my CTO, but not like, you know, officially don't tell him I said that. Um, but like, he's been, he's a software engineer himself. Um, and so he's been helping me work on the website. He's actually been doing a lot of the work right now since I'm doing more of the business side of things. Um, and I've been like thinking about hiring someone, but I don't, I don't even know how to hire someone myself or what I'm actually looking for, you know? Um, so eventually I'm going to have to, but it's not a priority right now. Yeah. You should listen to our episode with Jermaine Jupiter. Really good. We talked all about oh, hiring. Yeah. He's a recruiter, like really good. He knows his stuff. So highly recommend folks, if you're listening to this, if you're just like Paris, you should listen to that episode too. <laughs> I will also say, I follow you on Twitter. This is a personal opinion I'm going to share. I think you give your fiance a hard time. I'm a big fan of his. Oh my God. <laughs> and he cracks me up. And I think he's kind of underrated in the like Paris Twitter world. So I just want to say I'm a fan of his. Oh my God. Uh, now when he listens to this episode, that's all I'm going to hear. <laughs> he is so annoying. Oh, he's always like, anytime I do something that gets on his nerves, he's like, I'm going to get you canceled. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, he's, like he's, he's so mad that I won't watch Avatar The Last Airbender. And so he like tweeted it out once and like that just got so much traction and people were like, you're like crazy if you're not watching that show. He's like, watch what I tell everyone that you still refuse to watch it. He's such a pain. Uh, It's a good show. (laughs) I know. I've heard. I've heard. (laughs) 
Well, we'll we'll talk more about Twitter uh, in a bit, but I love how you use that. I, I love how you're, you're very authentic on the platform. I think it really works. I mean, I think people really engage with you on that, including, you know, getting a lot of heat for not watching The Last Airbender. I will say I have not seen it, so we're on the same Harris. side. Thank about. you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, I really like your authentic approach to Twitter. I think there's a lot to be gained gained from that like if somebody's just starting off with like how do i manage this social media thing um i think you hit the nail on the head is with with regards to hey make it about you and your life you know you got to balance it with your work stuff but people really want to connect with that that's great yeah i i tried the whole like keeping it maintaining like the whole technical like i'm a front-end developer i only talk about code and programming and all that um and i could just i just couldn't do it (laughs) i was like i my life is like so much more than that so now i'm just like super honest and annoying on there <laughs> it works i i'm still struggling with like oh i have to, like i'm just a developer or, you know I'm, I'm an engineer or I, I make these things like i'm still struggling with like how do i bring more personal stuff into it so no i think you have a, a great voice on twitter oh thank you in, in addition to your 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 amazing twitter skills and your front-end dev like what other things do you think prepared you for founding black tech pipeline what what skills do you find like really came forward or things that you didn't expect um, uh, I mean, honestly, I learned a lot along the way before, um, even announcing that I was going to launch this platform. So before I even like built this, um, not black tech Twitter, but black tech pipeline, uh, well, black tech pipeline was like nothing. It was just a name and I knew I was going to do something with it. There were actually people who wanted to partner with me, um, and, and build something from it. And there were so many people that I said yes to, I was like, yeah, let's, let's partner. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, let's do that. And all of those partnerships ended horribly because I always backed out of them. Um, and I, I, I had to learn a lot along that journey. It's like, I have to stop being afraid to say no. If I'm, if I'm unsure about something, like don't agree to it, you know, tell people you'll think about it and get back to them. And if, if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. You don't have to feel pressured, um, you know, to do things you're not ready for. Uh, so I learned a lot along the way. And then, in terms of like diversity, equity, inclusion, that's always been a big part of my life just because of my mother. She's done it like her entire life as well. She's worked for the government. Right now she works for Cambridge Public Schools where she um, does like racial equity work. So it's it's always been a conversation in my household. And I don't know, I just, it's just part of me, I guess. So doing it for work doesn't even really feel like work, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good place to be. You mentioned that you had to say no. You had to learn to say no to people. Um, what other challenges have you come across that you just like you didn't expect? Um, man, I mean, I, I've come across a lot. I guess I can say with gaining a platform, I and I hate to say this because I don't want to sound like I'm telling people like, yeah, I'm famous like Beyonce. That's not true at all. However, I when once I sort of gained this small platform that I have. Um, I don't know. I, I saw a lot of things change in people, how they interacted with me. Um, I don't know. It, it just, a lot of things became a competition when before they kind of just felt mutual and, um, you know, there were just like sort of natural relationships and friendships that were formed. And then as my following grew, it's like people liked me less. If, I don't know if, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I hear a lot of, people like in and I hate again I hate saying this but I hear like a lot of people like in Hollywood deal with that like 
the the more popular you become, the less friends you have or whatever it is. So I that I also went through that experience. Um, even just having this small platform that I have, I went through that. So that was also interesting. I, I'm curious, is there like a particular threshold? Like as soon as you cross that 10,000 followers on Twitter, like you suddenly are like, I have this platform and I suddenly started getting more hate messages as a result. Like, is there like a, a number threshold for you, you found? <laughs> no, it wasn't even that. It was as soon as like the Black Tech Twitter thread gained a bunch of traction. Um, I think it's just because it, Black Tech Twitter became a hashtag and it became like it was used a lot. And then a lot of people were tagging me, you know, just explaining that I was a creator or people were happy, um, you know, that I had put out that tweet and it created this community. That's when I noticed, you know, I don't know, a lot of people sort of distanced themselves from me. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. And so it's also because of that, it's also created a lot of like um, trust issues uh, with me. Um, I don't know. It's been interesting. So when you when you say you let like people started distancing themselves, are, are these people who say maybe didn't agree with you? politically or work-wise and they just like went away or was it like close friends and they're like oh now Paris is famous we don't want to hang out with her anymore no no these are no um so some of these people actually also have large platforms and others who who don't uh it's I, I honestly can't even tell you why they distance themselves from me it just happened uh and I don't know that was such an interesting experience and I've dealt with that before in person, physically, like at school, you know, like I'm sure everyone has dealt with that. Um, being in high school, like popular, uh, popular and whatever uh, groups, but um, it was interesting to deal with that through social media because I don't, I've never physically met most of these people. Yeah, it's so funny how some of the high school stuff doesn't seem to change even it when you're adults, right? You're, yeah, you're, you're now like it's now like competing for popularity. It seems like interesting. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So. You you built this platform and you started the hashtag. It was like December 2018. You started this hashtag and you were pretty new to Twitter and you really took off. Was it all on Twitter? Were you using other platforms, other venues to kind of build this audience and this community? Uh, did you, you know, because I think a lot of founders, they have this idea. They feel like, oh, I'm a thought leader. I have things that people are going to want to hear, right? I have things to say. And a lot of people just don't get to the point where they are really heard or listened to. And so I'm curious, like, how, how did you build that? I mean, I think obviously what you're focusing on was like struck a chord. I think it was right for the moment and continues to be relevant. Um, how much of it was that? How much of it was where you were? How much of it was what you were saying? I mean, what do you think explains that? Because I think a lot of people look at that and just think, wow, like I, I could never pull that off. You know, I think, and now you're on the other side and you're like, yeah, it's, it's also different than you might think too sounds like. right yeah honestly there was no method to any of this i i feel like it was right place at the right time like i tweeted at the right time and it just happened because the tweet that i put out um when i had put that out people had actually tagged other tweets similar to what i said under mine and so it's not like i came up with something original i guess other people um you know put out something like that before trying to create a community and it just didn't get as much traction and mine just so happened to. And I, I like, I'm just like, maybe that was just luck. It was just timing is, you know, I didn't, it was very unintentional. I didn't expect for any of this to happen. So 
and, and this was all only on Twitter. And eventually I created like an Instagram page so that people on there could continue following with the community. But yeah, I, I don't have any tips or tricks or anything. Yeah. Well, I don't think it was luck. I mean, because it, it's a couple of years now. I mean, you've obviously continued to sort of follow through on this idea. So I don't think, I mean, it's not like you were, you know, whatever skiing and you got a picture of like a deer sitting in a chair lift or, and then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Or it's like yeah, some yeah. random thing that just happened. I, mean, I think that there's like a, the, the time horizon, the time period over which this is happening to me suggests it isn't just chance. I do think that you're saying, you're saying and doing things that people obviously are interested in, but there wasn't a plan. You didn't hire some PR agency and say, you know, make me famous or I want to go viral. You were just like, Hey, you know, this is something yeah. that's important to me. And all of a sudden a bunch of people were like, yeah, that's important to me too. Right. Exactly. That, that's it. <laughs> a lot of our listeners are people who are generally wanting to start their own companies, thinking about it, um, have started. And it's usually, we're, we're mostly focused on the startup community. Um, what advice might you have for people who are looking to hire their first employees? What should they do to make sure that they are being as diverse, as inclusive, and making sure that you know there's an equal representation? Yeah, so I actually love working with startups, especially people like the very tiny companies, because I think it's super important to think about diversity, equity and inclusion at the foundation of the company and you make it a priority, you know, before you start hiring, because the the issue in the tech industry is like these companies have grown so much. And then you look around with 500 employees and you notice like, wow, a lot of people here look exactly the same. And we didn't, you know think about uh, other other candidates who you know come from diverse backgrounds so yeah so uh, if you're a smaller company a startup and you're thinking about at the foundation get connected with um, communities uh, who serve black and brown people people of color underrepresented groups and one way is like I did on Twitter go on Twitter you can look up hashtags you can put out tweets it can, and when you find these communities, um, engage with them and build these relationships, ask questions like, you, you know, publicly comment on, on their posts and things like that. Um, networking on LinkedIn, you can search hashtags there. You can look up, you know, so-and-so community, black technologist communities, Latinx communities. Um, you can, you can search these and you can filter through these and you can find so many people and leaders, um, and members um, who are in these communities, go to, if you go to meetup.com, go to Eventbrite, you can look for events that are um, targeting those communities. And if that's who you want to engage with, then attend that event, make, <laughs> make friends, go and network uh, and, and grow your circle that way. I mean, for me, I, I love saying, I just like to Google. I will literally just go on Google and be like, purple unicorn community. And I don't know, I'll find what I find and I'll continue searching from there. But um, yeah, I mean, everything that you think, anything that you have in your head, it exists. You know, like right now I'm picturing someone dying grass purple or something. Someone in the world is doing that, <laughs> you know? So you'll, you'll, find, you'll find what you're looking for. Just you have to look for it. And I feel like people don't want to do that work. Um, and, it, and it does require, it requires work, time and energy. And if you truly care about these certain initiatives, then you will do it. Agreed. And I, I think you 
you make a very good point in that like it takes deliberate effort for a lot of this. Um, I think the first rule is don't hire friends and family. Is that is that pretty um, solid to, to both of you? Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> I mean especially <laughs> especially if you already have a diversity problem, like that's just not going to help. Um, yep. Yeah, you need to be searching for people of all different backgrounds and. It's so important. It's dangerous when you don't just because you're building these products that you're going to give out to the world. And these products are not going to be um, like different communities won't be able to benefit from this product because you're building it um, only with your community in mind, with yourself in mind, what you look like. That's that's all that's going into this product. You want to be able to have hands of all colors, all identities onto on this product, building it making it as um, inclusive as possible. That way we can all benefit from this product. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a lot of research to show um, what you're saying is absolutely true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, when you think about the bigger platforms, I mean, some of these big platforms, like there's conspiracy theories that are spreading, literal ethnic cleansing that's happening on some of these platforms. Like, obviously, they did not build some of these things with like safeguards in place. And you can't prevent everything from going wrong but I think it's certainly probable that if there were more people in the room that were thinking about things from different angles, it's more likely you'd catch that kind of stuff. It's you know? true. Yeah. Like just yesterday, actually, I had me and my cousin were using a soap dispensary um, and you have to put your hand under it to get the soap, obviously. Um, so she put my so my cousin is very, very light skinned. So very light skinned, very different from me. So she put her hand under it. It came out very easily. I went to do it. It could not detect my hand for whatever reason. And it's like my palm. My palm is also, I'd say it's pretty light, <laughs> you know, and it, for some reason it just wasn't working well with me. And I have this issue actually with like even paper towel, the, the hand signaling for paper towels and things like that. Um, and so, I mean, this is, this has already been talked about how AI has left behind the black community and it's, it's actually doesn't work in favor for the black community either. And there's lots of dangers around it. So that's like an example right there. Yeah. Well, and I think those examples too, and obviously it's, that's not my lived experience, so I can only imagine, but I mean, just the indignity of like, Hey, I just went to the bathroom and now I'd like to wash my hands and I can't. Right. right? Like there's something that's so uh, like viscerally uncomfortable about that. And sort of like, you know, I just, uh, I don't know there's something about that, that, even though it's abstract for me, it's really bothersome. I mean, it's very insulting, right? I and mean, what a exactly. basic need, right? Especially now with coronavirus, what a basic need. Just wash your hands, right? right. I'm not talking about something crazy or fancy. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's just soap. So right. imagine all of these other like products coming out where they are going to forget about these communities and people who look like me and just underrepresented groups in general. Like that's going to suck to be nice about it is going to suck. So Totally. And, you know, these are hardware products, right? So, like, we have a lot of hardware folks that listen to our show um, who are bringing new products to market. And, you know, I think one thing to think about, so tangible here, if you're a founder, is just literally reach out to different people to try your stuff out, to have them read your documentation, make mm -hmm. sure that you're not assuming there's, like, maybe a certain background knowledge or people know what certain acronyms mean. You know, if you want to have an accessible product not just, you know, across a bunch of across a bunch of different levels. You just have to have different people trying it out and using it and giving you feedback. And it's probably going to slow down your release time a little bit. 
but what it might save you is having to like rush out a firmware update <laughs> to right. make your soap dispenser less racist, or it might just save you a bunch of customer service complaints, or it just, you know, you could make a better product. And so right. I think people need to expand in that early testing. Like you just, you have to do it early. Otherwise, otherwise you're going to miss it. And um, even if it's like really well-intentioned. Right. Um, yeah. Testing, but like, especially it, like you could also, not that you can avoid everything, but you could also help avoid that just by hiring people on that team. Yeah. You know? Those engineers in the room from the beginning. Ideally. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Cause they'll, they'll bring in uh, like thoughts that you might have not have thought about initially. Right. And it's um, like, how, how could you think about it if you don't, you don't experience it, you don't, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why and so it's important to have people who come from all walks of life and who look differently. They should be in the room. They should be helping, um, you know, make this the best product that it can be. Yeah. Totally. I, Cause you're talking about the soap dispenser and, and my thoughts like, but that's just an infrared light that like bounces off of a nearby object. And you're like, but if we didn't have the perspective that it, you know, like it doesn't work well on darker skinned individuals, you're like, oh, I would have never thought about that. So like, that's such right. a good point. Like, like, oh, that is a problem. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to totally mess up the story. Um, so if anybody's listening and you remember the, the actual story, please comment on it um, in the comments. And I know that from what I understand, when the first cell phones were developed, they did the encoding in such a way that it really only worked well with American accent English. So anybody with like any other accent, you really had a hard time understanding them, not because of the accent necessarily, but because of the encoding scheme used by cell phones. And once again, would have been solved just by having people just with that perspective to say, hey, we need to account for different accents. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah, see? And didn't Twitter just release a feature that wasn't accessible? Like... That happened not too long ago. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't I mean, know that one. They did. I, I think it was a voice over feature or something like that. They they, they took it back off. But yeah, it, it wasn't accessible. So you see, you're already, you're forgetting about an entire community that needs to be thought about. Yeah, yeah. it's so true. Yeah, and these like dynamic and these algorithmic pricing, you know, schemes that, you know, they're, they're, they're ending up reinforcing biases in un, unexpected ways. And, uh, you know, it's like, if you want to make the world a better place, try to do no harm first. <laughs> right. And like right. the place that starts is like in, in your building. And we've, we've talked about that with previous guests. I think it's definitely been a theme of the show. Like you have this big idea and you go out and get raise maybe venture capital or bootstrap it or whatever. And you want to change the world. Start by like not making it a worse place within the four walls of your office or your Slack or whatever, you know, exactly. otherwise like maybe take a minute and think about that before you get started. No, exactly. Because at that point, it's just performative. Like, you don't even mean it. You know, you're just trying to seem like you're something that you're not. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, of Slack, which, I apologize if this was asked already, which of the platforms seem to work best for you for engaging your community? Is it Twitter? But Because I, I know you also run, like, Discord and Slack channels, right? Yeah, I'm going to say it's definitely Twitter. So what okay. I've noticed is that everyone has the same problem of having joined 50 Slack communities and they can't pay attention to all of them. So yeah, definitely Twitter. I, I am anti uh, synchronous communication more, more often than not. I, I know I'm kind of one of the unpopular voices, but I'm not a fan of like Slack as a general way to do things. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think we should all just stop joining so many communities. And yeah, uh, it, 
join more on like Twitter. A, yeah, because like at least Twitter's asynchronous, right? I can I can put Twitter away. I can choose to be notified, but like if I wait and respond to you for like a couple of hours, it's not a big deal on Twitter. I find it like it's the not the case on something like Slack or Discord. Like they're supposed to be used more like chat rooms. Right. Oh my god, that just made me think of an idea, a feature for Twitter. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I totally agree with you, Sean, by the way, too. I really don't like Slack or Discord and the like expectation that you're always on, you're always working, and you're just like always like ready to be pinged and ping back. And it's like, what if you have kids? Or what if I don't know, you just want to sleep or like work out or cook dinner or just do anything besides work. So I generally am not a fan of those platforms either. And uh, if you are, you know, out there, okay, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm not. If you're in quarantine, they're like, they're great. Like, oh, I'm going to be working on this and I'm going to open the chat room and people can chat during this time. Like, I, I think they have a use, but I don't like them as a general idea. Like, I should have it open while working. I'm like, it's a horrible distraction. Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah, we just, my at my job, we just moved over to Basecamp. Yeah. Um, Asynchronous. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been cool. 100%. We use Basecamp to... Uh, to run the show. We love Basecamp. I love it. Oh, I've been cool. following those folks for a long time. Yeah. Hoping to get, uh, we'll see when this is recorded and when it comes out, but uh, we're talking to some folks over there to potentially talk about their new email platform and Basecamp itself. So hopefully oh, by nice. the time this comes out, we've got that interview lined up, but I, well, I love that platform. Yeah. That's really exciting. Everyone's using it now. Every time I say Basecamp, I feel like I sound like really cool. So I yeah. can be like, oh yeah, you don't know about Basecamp? I was like, yeah, we use that too. I'm like, oh, okay. Well. <laughs> you're, you're, you're in the in crowd now. Right. <laughs> Where can people find you? Um, Twitter and Instagram at Paris Athena, Paris with two S's and Black Tech Pipeline is also on Twitter and Instagram at BT Pipeline. Well, I think we covered it all then. Paris, it's been so great having you on. Thank you for joining us and telling us about what you're building and how you're using your developer experience to start something new. It's been really great speaking with you. Thanks so much. Thank you. This was fun. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and share the show. Let us know what you think on Twitter at HelloBlinkShow. Find show notes at HelloBlinkShow.com. The Hello Blink Show is shared under a CC BY 4.0 license by Skull Riza LLC and Kenny Consulting Group LLC. The intro and outro music is Routine by Amin Maxwell and is shared under a CC BY 3.0 license. This song can be found at soundcloud.com slash Amin Maxwell slash routine. <laughs>